Hey everybody, welcome to That Will Never Work. If you'd like to be on the podcast, simply come to markrandolph.com to apply. And while you're there, you can sign up for my newsletter or get an invitation to my new That Will Never Work Discord channel. Bellissimo Hats has achieved something rare in today's market. The company has an organic and enthusiastic celebrity following without ever having to pay a dime in endorsements or influencer marketing money. They count megastars like Jamie Foxx and Snoop Dogg among the fans who just love to post about wearing their product. But the problem is, brother co-founders Levy and Yossi Chayo are still trying to do it all themselves. Their gross sales are in the seven figures, but they still have just one employee. Are they worried about delegating? Is that getting in the way of the growth they could achieve? Well, grab your thinking caps and let's find out. Hi, I'm Mark Randolph, co-founder of Netflix and six other companies. Over the years, I've heard that will never work thousands of times, but I've learned there are things we all can do to increase the chances that they will. So join me for That Will Never Work. So, Levy and Yossi, welcome to uh, That Will Never Work. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Well, I'm actually, I'm really kind of excited about this. And I, I do have this rough idea about what your business is, something to do with hats. And partly, of course, it's what you're wearing. But also, yeah. when you guys came in, you were like staring at, the, at my head and I'm going, okay, this is like some kind of professional evaluation. Yeah, we were sizing you up. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, why don't you start off? Why don't you tell me what, what is the business you guys have built and are working on? So a little background about us. Um, we come from a Hasidic family in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. And Hasidic families, Hasidic kids start wearing hats, fedoras at the young age of 13. By their bar mitzvah, we get a black fedora, usually European style. Um, so we've been wearing hats our whole life, and um, you know we started noticing that the quality's been getting worse, and the prices have been getting more expensive, and it's really tough because it's, it's a necessity in our community. So when you have a couple kids and you have to buy a new hat for the father, for the you know, so we decided, you know, I actually texted him once. And I said, "Would you like to make a business with me, um, selling hats, better quality for cheaper?" And this wasn't our first venture together. We actually opened the restaurant in Torrance, California. When I was 21, he was 17. So that was our first entrepreneurial venture. So I was going to make sure you guys are brothers. Yeah, yes. we are brothers. <laughs> Fantastic. And then you have older brother, younger brother. We right. have more. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah we're, we have, we have not, there's nine of us in Holy our nine siblings. So yeah, big family. Our parents are immigrants. Um, they worked very hard. We grew up, you know, not with much. So um, we're pretty hungry. We have, you know, most of our family are entrepreneurs, go-getters. So it's just in our blood. So you did a restaurant, yeah. uh, which I'm gathering probably didn't go so well. Well, we ran it for three years. Uh, we learned every mistake the hard way, made every mistake. Um, it's kind of like a crash course on business for us. Definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, he was actually, you know, my... Uh, I was like the, the my, restaurant manager. Yeah, he, he was, he's my savior. Like, I, he, he wasn't supposed to be part of it originally, and then he showed up, and he was only 17, and he was like, you know, the best, you know, person I could have with me. Um, but yeah, it was the hardest thing we've ever done. Okay, so you recover from the restaurant business. Uh, it takes you a while to kind of get your feet underneath you again. And then for some reason, you decide to go into business again? Yeah, so we actually left the restaurant business in debt, pretty beaten down, our egos, our everything. Um, I moved back 
to I moved to Montreal where my wife's from because she has a large family there, a lot of businesses. They all were excited to have me as part of their business because I'm like a you know capable person. Um, my brother moved back at home with my parents in New York. He got a job there. And we were kind of like, you know, tail between our legs, like let's get safe nine to fives and just make some money, you know? So I bounced around from one business to another, trying to, you know, help them. I thought I could do a lot. And for some reason it didn't work for other people. Um, and then I had this idea to make hats and I told my brother, let's do this on the side and let's do this the opposite as our last venture. First he texts me, I have a business for you, a business idea. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I'm like, save it, please. <laughs> don't, don't get me down this rabbit hole again. And then, uh, and then I asked him, you know, what's, what's the idea? So he started telling me about, you know, the hats. We got to sell hats. I'm trying to find the hat now. They're crazy prices. And they don't feel like they used to when we were younger. Like they're not as good as quality. The quality's, you know, not the same thing. So sorry for cutting off. But uh, <laughs> and you guys yeah. had no experience in the hat business previously, besides having no, worn besides one since having you were thirteen. Besides having experience of wearing them, knowing what it's supposed to feel like, what it's supposed to look like. Besides that, we didn't have any experience in the business. <laughs> and you go, I think we can make a better hat. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah. So we we decided like with the restaurant, we were three hundred thousand dollars in before we opened our doors. So over here, we're like, we're not investing anything. And if people like it, we'll grow it. If not, we'll just let it die. So we actually made a deal with a hat manufacturer who, you know, they were making hats, but also not the style and not the quality that our community likes. So we told them we could sell a lot more hats to our community, um, who was dominated by a big company, a big Italian company. And this guy was trying for ages, was not able to break into it. And it's because there's so many little nuances that outsiders don't get that to us, it's like, yeah, you're not going to sell a hat like that. It has to be a tiny drop shorter or whatever, you know? <laughs> so we got in there and we literally went on the streets in our community in, in Brooklyn, got one of these pop-up tents from, from uh, Amazon, did pop-up sales by busy seasons. We flew to Florida to different communities, Jewish communities trying to sell them and literally made, I don't know, we made like $5,000 the first year of doing this. Right. Part of our deal when starting the business was, I said, we're not, we're not getting investors. We're not borrowing money for this. You know, I have 500 bucks in my pocket. You have 500 bucks. Let's put it together. Let's get 10 hats. And that's how we started selling. Like we brought those 10 hats to the streets and people were like, well, this is not my size or We style. started with samples, basically. Yeah. We were taking samples. Uh, we had samples. We were getting people's measurements, designing the hat for them in their head, which is not something people usually do. They usually try it on, wear it. And we were selling hats without giving them the hat. And then we'd get paid, use that to buy more hats. And then we built up everything we have now is built from the bottom up. We never, we never took investments. So besides the fact that you've catered to the Hasidic community, what makes the hats special? Is that what it? What makes the hats special? Yeah. Oh, so we started off that way, you know, with our family and friends and then our community. But then once we had sort of a storefront, we started having other people come in. And being that we had access to this factory, we were, we were able to make anything. So we started, and we enjoyed designing. And, you know, so we started making other styles and other, and then we got a following on social media. You know, we were very Instagram from day one, posting everything. Um, and after getting a little bit of following, eventually, I think the first person we got was Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Jamie Foxx was like a big thing for us. He, he's, he's a partner with a friend of ours and, uh, he said he loves your hats and we we're supposed to ship it to him. I'm like, look, I'm going to LA anyway for family vacation. Does he mind if I drop it off in person? He's like, no, went to his house with my wife and kids. We ended up hanging out there for like two hours. He was so nice. Took us around to see his horse from the movie Django and, you know, got in the hats and, and he was so nice, so gracious. He gave us, he gave me like a shout out video, um, you know, saying, guys, you got to check out this company, Bellissimo Hats. And from there, it kind of, you know, we started getting hit up by Cedric the Entertainer, who's a huge hat guy. He owns like 10, 15 of our hats by now. 
Um, and the word started getting around and then, you know, we started getting noticed online. So like, that's kind of how it blew up. Unbelievable. Well, that's pretty cool. So, uh, you have a hat. Um, so we have a hat for you. We think you got, we got your size, right? Let's see. This is, this is, this is, this is pretty exciting. This here. is actually custom. We offer a lot of different customizations. So if you see here, we made you oh. yeah, custom lining. So first of all, uh, I'm going to show this to, uh, I have it up, right side up. Yeah. So if you're, this is, this is incentive number one, people, for be watching the, uh, the podcast visually. But what I'm holding up is this beautiful blue fedora. Uh, but the lining is that will never work the podcast. So, <laughs> all right, now here comes the moment of truth. Boom. Like a glove. Oh, oh my baby. God. There you go. <laughs> okay, so professional eyes this does this work does this uh this is the perfect hat for you because there's a lot of different aspects of a hat there's the brim width you know depending on your build you don't want to have something too big it matches what you're wearing which that's just luck <laughs> um, it's a beautiful sapphire blue teardrop fedora um with a silver it's like a kind of gray silver ribbon one and a half inch gross grain ribbon um and yeah it looks great on you it suits you perfectly you should wear this every day yeah it's spectacular so I've got to turn to my, I've got to break camera here and I've got to look to my key critic. That's a great looking hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my, uh, my son. Oh, nice. Of course, my, uh, my biggest, my biggest uh, fashion consultant, which is a scary, scary thing. So anyway, uh, what can I help you with? So like we said, we started this off very small, really no expectations. I think in my first text, I told him like, um, if we sell a thousand hats, we'll make 40 grand each and we could live off that. You know what I mean? Cause as entrepreneurs, we'd rather make less money and, and just make it ourselves than get like some salary from some company. So that was like the goal and we've like smashed through it, you know, ages ago. Um, most of our business right now is online. Uh, we ship all over the place. We have a 3d custom studio. We have so many ideas that we're working on. We're growing in so many different directions and we find that we we're not like delegating or expanding our team really that much. It's just us doing everything. And the more we add, we're just adding more and more on our own plates. And it's basically me and him. We have one manager in the store in Brooklyn, who's a great guy, a great addition to the team, but it's kind of, you know, some people are comfortable with the startup, especially with our experience. We're comfortable with the startup with the making no money, hustling through it, but then there's a whole nother challenge, which is, yeah, when you are making money and then how do you grow and how do you expand? Do you take investors? Do you, do you open up 10 stores? Do you invest in there's so many different things we can invest in um, and different ways of growing? Like, how do we, how do we go to that stage? Like, you know, some people are maybe not built for that or it's just a learning curve or something you have to learn. So from your expertise, you kind of had that where something small blew up. Um, how do you just change gears and, you know, not mess up what you already have. We're always afraid of losing what we had. So a quick question. How do you guys divide responsibility? Just natural. Like so we just know, you know, what I'm good at, what he's good at. And if something's like, you know, we'll agree like, yeah, this is your ballpark. This is what you're good at. And like, he'll take it. Yeah. So I, I run the store in New York. Um, so I deal with a lot of the sales, all the customer service over the phone. Um, and he deals with more with the manufacturing, uh, a lot more with design, uh, things like that. So I'm, I'm more with the customer. I'm always the sales guy. He's more of the... He's on the ground. I'm in the clouds. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like the dreamer. And then I give him one of my ideas and he has to figure out how to make it happen. 
like okay in reality how do we do it like I, I like wake up all inspired i call him he's like you know annoyed and i'm like <laughs> start like talking to him he's like okay calm down calm down like let's think of this idea normally how are we going to execute this who are we going to call what are we going to do so he he gets things done he's very resourceful knows how to get the right person the right things that we have to do how many employees do you have one one in addition to the two of you between us fantastic um, wow, it's a lot of interesting directions to, uh, to go from here. Because one of the things I do like is that you're not artificially pushing the business. Right. It's pulling you exactly. rather than you pushing it. I mean, in fact, just last night at dinner, I was talking, we were talking about the whole idea of why grow for growth's sake. Right. Just makes your life more miserable, more complicated. It's harder if you've got a great life and you have time and you can spend time with your families and what's wrong with that? You don't need to be a billionaire. But at the same time, um, sometimes these companies take on lives of their own. They want to be something. Um, and in some ways, like raising a kid, it's your job to let them. Um, and that is hugely, hugely challenging in figuring out what that is. But you're doing the number one right thing which is letting the business pull you rather than push the business. And too often I have people who don't have the traction, who don't have this obvious consumer demand, who are saying, oh, I guess the next thing to do is expand into retail, or we're gonna do wholesale, or we're gonna sublicense, and boy, that gets you into, uh, into trouble. So there's two things here. Number one is figuring out what the right business scale technique is which is, you know, do you do more online? Do you do more retail? Do you do wholesale? Do you have all these other options that um, people who are in the garment business, what the broad category is? Some people would say fashion, but I don't think we're in the fashion business. Yeah, in just... the fashion business. People in the fashion business, yeah. yeah. There's lots of different directions that people have done this with different models. Um, so yeah, there is this challenge of how do you scale on that direction and which is the right way to go. And we could talk about that in a second. And the other one though, which is almost a more important thing for you guys to figure out is how to scale yourselves because you can't keep getting bigger with it's just the two of you. I mean, I, I know you're capable and I know you're probably willing to work really, really hard um, on making it happen, but at some point there's only so many hours in the day and the quality of your decisions begins to degrade because you're just making too many um, and especially it means you can't begin moving into things you're less familiar with because it begins pulling even more and more of your time away. So let's talk briefly about that. And, um, one of the things that I found that's really, really, um, important is not just to say you have to let go, but to figure out what do you let go of? And part of it is looking at what you do every day. And what you do every day and say, which are the things that I'm doing right now? Am I arguably one of the best people in the business at? And then what are the things that I'm doing every day, which I'm decent? Um, and that's a huge self-awareness, which is the first step to being able to scale. Um, and if you don't already know it, um, it really helps to sometimes make this time chart for yourself. What did I do this week? What did I spend my time on? What did I really like doing? And I'll just take a winger that the design piece is what really turns you on about it, about the business. And maybe I'm wrong, but that probably is one of the things that you probably are arguably one of the better people in the industry at, that you couldn't replace yourself. You couldn't scale that. Um, but there's other things you probably spend your day doing 
which there's people who are way better than, uh, than you at. And you have trust issues perhaps, but skill-wise, um, there's ways to scale that. And the same thing with you, running a store. I mean, there are certain aspects where you've got to be on it and running operations. I have to also. say he's the best salesman that I know. <laughs> Nobody walks into our store and leaves without a hat. Right. They could be looking for directions, you know. <laughs> but the question is, is that a, that's an interesting skill in and of itself. That's right. very non-scalable in terms of a face-to-face. -face. He trained our employee right. in very well. So, I mean, I mean, what we really do is when, when anytime someone walks in, and people could say this about a lot of businesses, but I really feel like when any person walks into our store, they walk out like they're a good friend of ours. They walk out with an experience. They feel good about themselves. People say, I'm not a hack guy. Every, I have that every single day. People come into my store. I'm not a hack guy, but it looks really cool outside. I have to come in and see what's going on. And we just find the right hat for them. And they walk out and they feel like a million dollars. And they're like, I had a good time. You know, the, I walked in, I got a drink. I had a good time with the owner or I met, you know, even if it's not me, you know, I kind of pass that on to our employee where he can give that same experience. So, so I come from the software business, yeah. okay? And I have seen a million times these people who are unbelievably effective face-to-face -face salespeople. I mean, blow your mind, but once they, once you say, you're great, we're gonna give you a territory and people to help, they suck. They don't know how to translate their, what they do well and teach someone else to do it. And that's the difference between scalability and not. Because for example, if you're the best incredible face-to-face -face salesman in the world, fantastic, but I can say, okay, how many minutes does it take you to sell you a hat? Well, there's a upper time limit if you're doing one-to-one. -one. And so it really says, can I, I'm sure you already can, but can I train other people? How scalable is this? Can I take some of the things that I've learned, some of these systems for evaluating how to make someone feel good about a hat? Is it possible for me to do that in an online manner that, that we're not doing well? The thing is, but right. you said what you had social media was a key ingredient. In other words, I'm not trying to guess what they are. I tell you to define mm -hmm. what they are. I'm saying you guys have to guess what they are and define what they are because that's the, once you know that, you will find it remarkably easy. Uh, not, I shouldn't say that. Possible to begin letting go. Right. And it's important because once you, you go, I want to do more, but I can't let go of my, I'm making it up, may right. it be true, of the design. Right. That's, that's the key element to why we're successful. And I have to be the guy doing that. But if we're going to get bigger, I'm going to have to let go of some of the other stuff and bring people in. And what's amazing is once you go, I don't really care as much about this piece of it. You'll find there's people who care as deeply or as, who are as talented at that thing as you might be at design or at social media or at salesmanship or whatever the, uh, right. the I aspects I think it'll be of. hard for me to let go of shipping. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly a good case. Yeah. Operations, I, I, I hate that stuff. But there are some people who love it and just their efficiency and this. Right. And, the, and they're so good and they blow your mind that they can keep all these things in their head at the same time and be, and, and, but that's the key. That's the first key to scale. And I know you're not thinking that way, mm -hmm. but you have to do it simultaneously. Because for example, if you hypothetically say, let me back up. So then you apply that exact same thinking to your business, which is which of these aspects make us really who we are that are non, that don't work if we do it a different way. Right. And if you go, part of the experience is you need to have a store. You need to have people being able to come in. You need to be able to have this face-to-face. -face. And I'm not saying everything gets sold that way, but it's an important piece of it. And a lot of companies who have cracked that code, like the Warby Parkers and things like that, who have realized you can do these two businesses simultaneously and they reinforce each other. 
But once you start saying we're going to start expanding stores, now it's one thing to have one in Brooklyn, another one in Manhattan. It's another one to say I have one in lower Manhattan, one on the Upper West Side. It's a totally different thing when you have one in LA and one in Chicago and one in Florida. One in Israel. And one in Israel. (laughs) That's even worse. Yeah, exactly. Only because then you, who goes, I need to be my hand on the operation of all these stores, is not only not there, or you're on a plane for a quarter of the time, but worse, you're up 18, 19 hours a day, especially once you then open the store in, uh, you know, in the Maldives, and then you have one in Australia, and then pretty soon you go, these we have stores open 24 hours a day, and you're out of your mind until you finally have, so that's why these things go hand in hand. That, right. We actually focus a lot online, like the store and online are kind of two different businesses to us. Right. We do very different marketing for each of them, very different styles. Um, but you know, being that we're young and everything for us is online, we're used to ordering everything online. Um, everyone said like, you know, hats you can't do online because you got to try it on, you got to look in the mirror and, and we don't believe that. We, we think if you put the right tools in place, uh, we have like a 3D custom studio on our website where you can customize your own hat. And then, uh, you know, we have like a step-by-step how to measure your head. We have an AR feature to like, you know, see the hat in real time. We're adding a, a face tracking feature where people could try it on their heads. We actually have a sample of that on, on Instagram that you can use, like a little filter you can yeah. try a hat on. Um, so we're very focused on online. Three quarters of our business is online. Even though the store is very healthy, um, we're, you know, we think we could open more stores. But that's what I'm saying. We we're kind of torn in different directions. Um, you know, we're opening up our own manufacturing. We are... There's so many things we're working on. We even had ideas that were sitting on the back burner for a year. And then once we did execute on it, we're like, why didn't we do this sooner? And the reason is because we were overwhelmed, you know. Right. So we have so many of so these maybe it comes paths. back to that first scaling. Piece. Exactly. It's scaling you guys rather than scaling the business. Right. I, you know, I, I did a lot of work with uh, Chubby's, which is the, you know, I worked with those guys for years. The shorts. Business. Yeah, the shorts, yeah. men shorts. But they also did a whole, whole brand thing. Mm-hmm. But boy, the stuff we learned about how difficult it is to do retail and how the difference, but when you do American manufacturing versus international manufacturing and right. it is wholesale versus retail, it is such an incredibly right. complicated thing. And we kind of fundamentally realize that there's certain things that you're just by nature or what this brand is all about right. and that you can't chase a lot of stuff just because other people are doing it. Right. And it's finding that truth to what your brand is COVID and was doubling the, down on it, you know? Sorry to, to interrupt. No, no. COVID was actually a huge push for us because we had everything COVID was, built. Yeah. We had a Shopify store. We had our social media presence, but we weren't really pushing it. Um, and then, you know, we were gearing up for a big season in the store uh, right by April, right by Passover time, which is usually very busy. And it was just dead. And we we're like, okay, you know, we need to think of something else. So we started focusing more online. And then all of a sudden it just shot up and online became our big, you know, platform where we're selling. Yeah. I mean, I lo- listen, it's no secret. I love the online businesses because they are so inherently scalable. Right. How do you think about you're doing your own manufacturing? That's now? another really interesting so, uh, For a long time, I would say we're not doing manufacturing. We are not touching. Every time he would ask, he wants to do manufacturing. Oh, our, our biggest, our biggest problem with our customers is that it takes too long. You know, we're doing a handmade hat and we're not fully in control of the manufacturing. So, you know, people are waiting three to four weeks. And, you know, now people want, will only order something on Amazon if it comes in two days. If it's longer than that, they're not ordering that. So, you know, I'm always telling him, like, we got to get into manufacturing. We can buy these machines. Um, you know, these are hundred year old machines that we're, you know, uh, we're bringing back to life to use, to make these hats. Cause this is an old millinery technique. Um, I was always pushing him. He's like, let's stay away from manufacturing. We have all I'm these like costs. branding. It's all branding. It doesn't matter where you make it. It's <laughs> yeah. branding. And he's like, no, I want to do it myself. And then once I saw that, 
that we're really losing sales because we don't have the hats. I, I keep trying to get him. He's like, give me more hats. I'll sell them. And every time I get hats to him, they're already sold. And he's like, I have no hats. So we're just, because of that, <laughs> yeah. this, this opportunity came up. And like he said, hat making equipment is you can't find it. It doesn't exist. And when something comes in the market, factories grab them up just to have his backup because there's, you know, the hat hats used to be huge before uh, it was a JFK. And then he came out not wearing a hat and it just, everyone stopped wearing hats. That was like the big thing. So these companies close down. They don't make this anymore. And, uh, you know, we found, you know, this guy that used to own a uh, whole manufacturing. And uh, we told him, like, don't sell anything. We're buying it all. So we're actually in the middle of making our own shop in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a big step. It was a big decision that we had to make quick because this yeah. guy was going to sell them in a second. So yeah, we he, sat he down. listed them on eBay and he was going to sell one part you know, at a time. And we were like, take down that listing. We're going to take it all. And he's like, we didn't discuss prices. We were, we were negotiating for four days after that. But we told him, take down the listing. We, it's ours. We need it. And he did that. Wow. That yeah. is a big step. Yeah. Yeah. But again, the, it's a perfect example of the kind of decision you'd make about what you want to do yourself, what you want to have other people do. Right. Because again, like I said before, that's the same way you think about the business as you think about yourselves is that right. if manufacturing is something that's crit, a lot of people will do things like we're going to manufacture because we want to get the extra six points of margin right. or eight points of margin or whatever those small numbers are. And you go, you have no idea the complexity that you're adding right. into your business for something which is pretty marginal. But for you guys, it's almost existential to have this. I mean, it's a difference between huge swings in right. online sales is being able to fulfill things quickly versus not. The big difference is that hat manufacturing is so cool and so fun. It's not like making a t-shirt in China. or you, That's why they don't make, like if you make hats in China or in other places, they're not the same. It's, it's literally techniques that are passed down from years. And, you still and, use mercury? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll, not. I'll get that. back to you on that one. But um, like, well, we, that was the old. That's why the matters I had her thing comes from. Oh right, because that's how they used to yeah. soften the felt. I think, I think you, they you kill yourself. Yeah. yeah they, but yeah, it's a really cool <laughs> process. Uh, you know, we post videos behind the scenes of, of things being made, and everybody loves it because it's so cool. It's the real old fashioned. Like, actually, the hat he's wearing right now. Uh, so that's a huge thing. We're the, we're the first ones to bring it to the hat market, but it's we make two full hats in order to make this one and we chop it down the middle so right now if you see the let me take this off your head um the brim of the hat is a camel felt and then we have a powder blue crown so these are two hats and then they're stitched back together over here where our competition would be like you know put some fabric over this and that you can make in china they'll just cover the brim with another color fabric and then you know, that that's a two-tone hat. So people have been going crazy since we've done these hats. Wow. Where are two hats sewn together, yeah. It's and it's 100% cool. rabbit felt, so it's like the highest grade quality of, for a hat. Yeah. And not like wool or anything other cheap material. Yeah, it's not like the $50 hats you'll find in H&M or like these are like real deal. How often are you seen without a hat? Pretty often. I get, yeah. I get yelled at a lot from people. Why aren't you wearing a hat? Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, we one actually... reason is people, oh, people always buying my hats off me. Every time I find the hat I like, That's and true. I'm like, this is my hat, someone buys it off my head. And then my brother's like, where's your hat? Like, oh, I sold this on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so that's one reason. And then I have to go find another hat I like. Yeah, we made, we made nice hats for my engagement party. And we're all wearing our hats. And then I see him walking around without a hat. I'm like, Levy, what's going on? Why are you, where's your hat? He's like, oh, look over there. I sold it 400 bucks. <laughs> I'm like, how did you sell it to him? He's like, he cash at me. I'm like, okay. This guy took it off my head. He's like, okay, how much? I'm cash apping you. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so. so is your dad ever go like, I could have been a rabbi. Huh? Yeah. 
Well, my dad is the rabbi, and uh, we, <laughs> okay. we keep it at that. He's the rabbi. He tells me what to do. I'm the operations guy. <laughs> so the same way we do the business, we do life and family, you know? Yeah. Our entrepreneurial spirit comes from our mother. She was a mother of nine, and she was like the top hairdresser in our community, which is there's a wedding every single night of the week, every month of the year. It's not like, you know, Saturdays in the summer. Every night of the year, there's at least one wedding, maybe two. We have two wedding halls. They're always full. And she's like the go-to person because she's so talented. She she grew up in France and she learned how to do hair in France. Um, but because she had such a big family, she never went and opened the salon. She always did the hair in our house, which she's still doing now, 30-something years later. Yeah. And, you know, she'd be like, have like dinner on the stove and the kid crying over there. And she's doing something. They would keep coming because she's just so good at it. But we got that spirit from her and probably get the design touch from her also. She's very artistic. People would hire her to, you know, design uh, store windows and different things like that. So... We got she, she actually did Macy's window in Manhattan, um, and she just couldn't do it because it would take up an entire night, and she had to be home with the kids. So she gave that up yeah. uh, from designing Macy's window to you know to be with the family. So she really has that designer touch, and it really you know came down to us. Fantastic. Yeah. So I got I got to ask though, you're 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 just about to launch your own factory. Yeah. You have one other employee. Yeah. Something's gonna give soon, I would imagine. Yeah, so... <laughs> well, I'm actually, at the same time, opening another shop in Montreal, where I live. Oh, um, okay. So I'm going to hire another employee, which we're hoping is going to help relieve a little a few of my duties, and I could take over some of his, and he's going to focus on the factory and hire some new people there for the factory. Yeah. So I, I've been going around already, like, uh, snatching tailors. I've been going, you know, <laughs> getting, like, a pants done and bringing in a suit just to get, you know, just to test out the tailors, because there's a lot of sewing involved in making a hat besides the blocking and, you know... So we need we need really fine hands. So if anyone out there is a good you know sewer, <laughs> are you going to want all your employees to be Hasidic? No, not no, no, no. God, what a fascinating thing. So I mean, there's so many things which are really cool about the story that I really love. Right. I mean, just can, to... I, can I add something to that? You asked me if, if all our employees want to be Hasidic. Yeah. So a big part about our business is that um, Crown Heights is a place where it's either you're Hasidic Jew or you're or you're an African American and. We, we made our store right in the center between the two communities. And I would say 50% of our customers are African-American and 50% of uh, are Hasidic Jews. And like all of a sudden we started hearing from both our customers saying like, I was on the subway and this black guy is like, oh my God, I love your hat. And he's like, I like your hat. He's like, where'd you get it? And he's like, bellissimo. And you know, so, so like we really have like a melting pot of like both communities coming together in our store. And we really see that every single day that, you know, guys are getting along, men, women, you know, the hats are unisex. So and both well, sides are shocked. Also. We have discovered it. We have found it. We have found a way to bring America exactly. together. Yeah. We have polarization, but we now, I, everyone goes, how are we ever going to address this? Well, I think the, we've just figured it the out. The Hasidic people think they're going hats. to the Hasidic hat store where all the hats are black and they come in and they're like a pink hat, an orange hat. What's going on here? And they're shocked. And then these other guys that know us from Instagram, you know, Jamie Foxx, all these people wearing our hats, they come in, they're like, what are these? But it's actually really nice because you have sometimes like a 50-year-old guy who has a hat collection of like 30 hats. And we have a little Hasidic kid coming to get his first hat at 13. And he's giving him tips on how to take care of it. And, how, and it's a really beautiful thing because we live peacefully side by side, but we don't mix because we have our own stores. We have our own. Everything is, you know, yeah. separate. So here's a, a place where all of a sudden there's something in common. Yeah. Well, fantastic. I've heard so much stuff that I love about this story. <laughs> and truly one of them, you guys, the fact that just the two of you and one other employee is really, really interesting. Uh, and I think so many entrepreneurs who are also focused, I'm going to raise money, right. I'm going to use that to hire lots of people. We're going to go full speed ahead. 
And you guys are almost a lesson in that, no, we're going to be disciplined. We're going to do it all ourselves, and you're going to know each piece of it with our hands in it. Right. And you're going to scale smart. Like we said, we're traumatized of like raising money and dealing with investors and stuff. But I think at some point for, for some of these ideas that we have, we're going to have to do that. Well, I'm just going to tell you that, listen, I think what you're doing is great. And uh, I mean, I think you're going to burn out and I don't think and I don't uh, think that's a good thing. But I think that you're not by not going full speed ahead in this growth at all costs thing. I so respect that. I try so hard to rein people in. And I think you guys are really a great example of that. So what I'm going to do, though, is two things. Number one is I'm going to check in on you guys in uh, six or 12 months because I'm really curious to see how you think about scaling. And I really, listen, yeah. I expect to see you guys <laughs> figure out how to scale yourselves right. a little bit. If not for you, then for your wives and your families. Yeah. Um, and then number two is when you get the, sh the factory going, I'm going to stop in and get a tour. Yeah, sure. I'd love to see how, uh, how hats are made. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Well, this <laughs> is awesome. So thanks for the time. And absolutely oh, thank quick. you for the hat this yeah. is awesome i you look never thought so. i was a hat guy oh well you are <laughs> and i love hearing you still say like hey you had a hat yeah. just that's worth it if nothing else well thanks again guys really My appreciate pleasure. it thank all you. right thank you well i got a hat out of today's episode but i hope that levy and yossi got something out of it as well and that they picked up some actionable tips from our conversation but if you want to apply to be a guest sign up to my newsletter, or get an invitation to my Discord channel, simply head to markrandolph.com. Or, feeling social? You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and yes, even TikTok. And if you like today's show, please subscribe and follow so you don't miss an episode. group.